Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. It is not a new thing for Christians to live in a world that is opposed to their different beliefs. This is not new. This is a common experience of the Christian. This is familiar to many of us for decades, perhaps. And yet, here is a new part of living in 2021 that we have not previously experienced to a serious degree. We are now drenched and surrounded by lies. Some years ago, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, reflecting on Russian culture in its most corrupt, said this, The simplest and most accessible key to our self-neglected liberation lies right here. Personal non-participation and lies. The lies conceal everything. The lies embrace everything, but not with any help from me. According to Solzhenitsyn, who knew firsthand uh, communist tyranny and wickedness, the way that you can fight back against a world that is forcing you to believe falsehood is very simply to not participate in lies. Lies, he said, embrace everything. In other words, the entire social fabric is conditioned by lies, falsehoods, things that are not true, that are said to be true. And what you do in such a situation, quite simply, is you do not believe them, and then you do not participate in them. Now, there is an entire conversation to have about what it means to not participate in lies. And in saying all this, I, I, I hasten to add, I'm not meaning to endorse all elements of Solzhenitsyn's worldview, uh, Russian Orthodoxy, for example, because I don't. I do, however, think that he is a very interesting test case and a very important voice as one who lived under a regime of lies, communist Russia, and, and lived to tell about it and lived with his conscience intact. Why start here? Because I think the experience of ordinary citizens who loved liberty and in some form fought for it in communist Russia is becoming more and more relevant to the experience of the evangelical Christian, the born-again believer, in 2021 America. Just a few weeks ago, President Biden signed an executive order that has this title, Executive Order on Preventing and Combating Discrimination on the Basis of Gender Identity or Sexual Orientation. In this executive order, one of dozens President Biden has already signed uh, in his time as U.S. president. The Biden administration took the stance that any school that receives federal funding must allow biological boys who self-identify as girls onto girls' sports teams. If they do not do so, if they receive federal funding but refuse to allow uh, boys identifying as girls to be on girls' sports teams, they will face action from the federal government. This, according to Christine Brennan. In USA Today, a story entitled Sports Leaders Seek to Protect Women's Sports While Accommodating Transgender Girls and Women from early February 2021. What is taking place right now? What is taking place in America, as I've talked about previously on City of God, is that we are being brought under a regime of lies. We are being told that we must not believe what is true. But not simply that, it goes further. We are being told, we are being demanded. There, there is now a presidential executive order 
that instructs those of us who have any form of participation in public schools, my kids are not in public schools, but those who do, and instructs them to treat boys who identify as a girl as a girl. And here, my friends, to be very clear, while we have great compassion to offer sinners of every kind, including those who experience what is called gender dysphoria today, who feel like they are trapped in the wrong body, here we see just how strong the lies are that we are being brought under. We are being encouraged today to deny. We are being commanded in one form to deny that if you have the body of a boy, you are a boy. If you have the body of a girl, you are a girl. We are being told that that is a lie. And we are going to face, I am certain, increasing penalties, increasing pain for daring to believe and confess that our body is telling the truth about our identity. There is still a little bit of play. There is still a little bit of room in American culture and society to believe what the Bible clearly and plainly teaches, that we are either a man or a woman, that our identity corresponds to our body. There, there is still the ability to believe that in America today. You can still say it in public even, but I want you to be very clear that the regime's power is growing and it is placing us all increasingly more and more under the reign of falsehood. You see, friends, aside from the existence of God, aside from God being the central fact of the cosmos, as he surely is, the second truth about the world in which we live is that there is humanity. Humanity is either male or female, man or woman. If the first truth of human existence is that God exists, the second truth is that man exists. And man does not exist in generic, undifferentiated humanity. Man exists as either male or female. So really, these two truths, these second truths are, are one, if you will. We don't live as a generic human blob in the world that God has made. God exists. God has made the world, and the world in which we live is a world in which we live as either a man or a woman. Now, there are conditions that in some form cause some destabilization on this count, depending on how you read them, if you read them wrongly. If you understand that there is such a thing as a disorder of sexual differentiation, you will know that uh, there's a condition that is sometimes called intersex, better term DSD, that means that there are children who are born with both male and female body parts or genitalia. And if there is a chromosome that corresponds to a girl uh, in that genetic makeup of that child, then that child should be raised as a girl. That is a girl, although there is, because of the fall of Adam, a genetic malfunctioning, a biological uh, going wrong. And so we seek with, again, real compassion to treat that in medical terms. That's not an asked-for condition on the part of a child or the child's parents. Uh, th that is akin to a disability that flows from uh, the, the fall of Adam. And so there's something that needs to be made right in that situation. That's not, a, that's not a positive condition for us as Christians understanding this. This, this, is a, this is an effect of the fall 
in the category of disability, unasked for, and unwanted. But that condition does not in any way allow for the creation of a so-called gender identity that is transgender uh, in, in any positive sense. But that is exactly what we are hearing today. We are hearing today that because there is a condition that is often called intersex, that means that there is effectively this different understanding of humanity called transgender. Really, neither male nor female, somebody who is caught between uh, the, the traditional genders and has this distinct gender identity, they may, of course, well choose to embrace the identity of a man or a woman, and yet they are transgender. They transcend the normal uh, binary categories of gender. Suffice it to say that our society is going to a birth condition that is an effect of the fall then and is saying that that can be used to create a different positive gender identity. And this is flatly not the case. This is not what Scripture would lead us to. This is not what Scripture anywhere positively teaches. And this is not what Christians working theologically and ethically from the Word of God should conclude. Instead, Christians should proclaim that there is male or female, that we are all made in God's image, that we have all gone awry because of the real historical fall of Adam, real historical Adam in Genesis 3, and that there is real hope for humanity in the God-man Jesus Christ. By his shed blood and his resurrection, we can be washed of all our sin. The wrath of God has been exhausted by Christ's death, and now we can live eternally in resurrection hope. That is our central message to humanity. That is, that is what we offer our society and our culture, even as it collapses into confusion and chaos and a regime of lies. Friends, we need to take stock in this particular time. We need to know that it is not just that the Christian faith conflicts with certain elements of what our society politically is arguing for in America. It is that, again, we are being placed under a regime of lies. So what should you do in such a time as this? Well, you should preach the gospel that I just mentioned. You should preach the truth about God's purposes for humanity. You should, you should make clear to unbelievers and believers alike that we are all made in God's image and nothing can change that and nothing can scratch that out, and, and no one can erase that part of their identity. No one can erase their fundamental identity as an image bearer, and that is a beautiful truth. And that is a truth that will begin to help people make sense of who they are as a human being. And then you will have to go on, as I said just a minute ago, and make sense of the fall and make sense of the cross and the resurrection. That is where hope reaches its apex, that we can live eternally with God as redeemed people, and we will go to be with God and dwell forever with him in the new heavens and new earth at the end of all things, per Revelation 21 and 22. So that, that is the, the hope for humanity. That is the gospel message that we are privileged to preach, that we are called to preach, that all of us in different forms, though we may not have a pulpit or be an elder, are, are summoned by Almighty God to proclaim. This isn't simply news that we share, uh, like we read a weird headline on Yahoo News on our computer. Oh, let me share this with you, honey. Oh, kids, let me, let, me, let me tell you something. This is news that we proclaim. This is the gospel message. This is what every Christian heralds. It's as if we know that there is this coming king who is coming back to earth as Jesus surely is in his second coming 
and we are telling people of this. This isn't just something you abstractly share. This isn't a little nugget or factoid from your day that you picked up. This is the truth of truths. This is the truth that makes sense of your life. And this is the truth that makes you sit up in your seat, take your sins seriously, recognize that you are going to hell eternally without Jesus Christ, and by God's grace, respond in faith to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior given us by God the Father. So preach that, proclaim that truth, but know some other things as well as you do so. Know first that this is an assault on reality. This kind of executive order from President Biden is nothing less than an assault on God-made reality. President Biden is a fantastically powerful individual, the most powerful individual in the world, basically. But President Biden cannot do anything to change or edit the world God has made. President Biden cannot change that God made us in his image and made us male or female, man or woman. That is reality. Now, flawed and sinful, wicked humanity will rebel against that truth. Don't misunderstand me. People are doing that all around us. People have been rebelling against God, again, ever since Genesis 3 played out. We are, however, in a special time of an assault on reality. Our our society, America, is going through a genuine intellectual, moral, and theological revolution where this project that has begun long ago to distance America from any vestige of, of Christian influence is picking up major speed. Now you have the President of the United States of America telling us that boys, biological boys even, uh, we're told, who self-identify as girls need to be able to play on the sports teams of girls. They need to be treated as girls. And that, again, is an assault on reality. Full stop. There's no softening this point. And this is not uh, a lone, isolated truth that some Christians who really like talking about manhood and womanhood get exercised about and the rest of us ignore. This is, this is it. This is who we are. We're either a man or a woman. If you don't believe this, you are denying the essential truth about human people. Along with the image of God, manhood and womanhood marks who we are. You can't get a more shaking-your-fist rebellion against the world God has made, against God-created humanity. This is not just a difference in worldview. This is an absolute rejection of the wisdom and goodness and design of Almighty God. That's where we are. Stop thinking that someday this country could have its teeth set against you in terms of its policy and its elite body of thought. It's there now. This is the President of America stating all this in an executive order. These are strange times indeed, friends. So you're going to need to know, secondly, that it is loving to speak and act against this. Now, I don't mean in in any form. You need to speak and act in a gracious, righteous, godly, biblical way. But I repeat myself. 
It is loving, carefully chosen word to reject these lies. Solzhenitsyn was right. We must not live by lies. You can find that all over the Bible. You can find pagan rulers who deny the truth of God and hate God and try to do everything they can to go against God and unseat him. You think about what happens in Genesis 11, for example, the Tower of Babel. That is humanity proudly uh, uh, denouncing God as strongly as it possibly can. It is loving to speak and act against the pride of sinful men. That is a loving reality. It is loving, Christian, listening to this humble little podcast for you and your community, in your neighborhood, and engaging your local school system, whatever the case may be, to stand up and say, out of love, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as one who cares about the boys and girls of this school district or of my community, I stand against this policy. And by the way, friends, are we not protecting girls in doing so? Are we not frequently told that Christianity, because it calls for the submission of wives to husbands, for example, is an anti-woman faith? Is that not one of the major points that has been brought against us in order to defeat Christianity in the public square in the last 10 or 20 years, an egalitarian culture smashing the church over and over again because we are supposedly anti-woman because of the doctrine of male headship in the home and in the church. When in truth, who is being anti-woman? What could be more anti-girl than to let boys be on the same team as girls? There's not a word here in this particular executive order before me that speaks to facilities and whether boys change with girls, but we know that that is a parallel cause today, that even as our society encourages us to blur the lines with regard to sports participation, that our culture encourages us to blur the lines with regard to restroom facilities. And so if I self-identify as a woman, though I am a biological male, I can enter the restroom facilities of women. That is absolutely the way our culture and society is moving in all sorts of places. You're familiar with this, as am I. This is probably in your local community or has been or will be. But I want you to hear me. Christianity is the most pro-woman faith imaginable. Christianity actually calls men to protect women. It calls husbands who are the heads of their wives, like Christ is the head of his church, to to lay their lives down for their wives in a Christ-like way. That is a pro-woman faith if I ever heard of one. And it is that kind of teaching and the broader Christian worldview and any any right-thinking Christian father's natural native instinct when he hears about a young man who, for whatever reason, wants to enter the facilities where his daughter uses the restroom and changes, it is only right and loving that he would defend his little girl. And it is only right that he would stand up in public and say, beyond the question of facilities, no, boys should not be on my daughter's team. This is fundamentally unfair and wrong. 
this is against reality. You, those who are promoting such a policy, are trying to get me to live by lies, and I will not live by them. And I will do everything I can to oppose falsehood being promoted at this school, in this community, in the public square. Now, in your witness along these lines, I believe you should do all you can to treat those you're engaging, those you disagree with very, very strongly, as I'm making clear, as a fellow image bearer. I don't think you should belligerently lose your head in public. I think instead that you should be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruits of the Spirit do not in any way militate against clear, convictional, loving witness in the public square on the part of Christians. Instead, reverse that. It is actually the Spirit that drives you into the public square. Think of John the Baptist in Matthew 14, 1 through 12. John the Baptist was the herald of Jesus, and it was because John the Baptist defended a wronged wife, Herod committing adultery, that John the Baptist ultimately was beheaded. It was, it was public square theology that caused John the Baptist to be the first martyr in the cause of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist provided his witness, took his stand out of love. We have no idea what's going to happen with us as we take a stand for God's truth in the public square. We may well not face such drastic consequences. We are not even to think about consequences. We are to stand for truth when the days are evil. Will you do so? Listening to this podcast right now, will you take a stand? Will you protect little girls? Will you as a Christian man go to the local school board hearing or community meeting, it may be, and speak a word for those who will be wronged and potentially put in danger? And by the way, in competitive terms, uh, will, will not frankly be able to to compete in the way they should be with fellow girls because of boys who think that they are girls being amidst them. It is loving to speak and act against this. And we, whenever we have a chance to engage somebody who is caught in the lie that they have a different identity than their body, should engage that as sin for whatever reason that conviction has arisen in them, that, that view is held by them. We should engage that as a sin against Almighty God, a sin like any other sin that will send them to eternal damnation. We should call them to repent of that sin. We should not think of that condition, that thinking, as a psychological reality that is perhaps not ideal but is simply a matter of a rough background or something like this. Individual who, who is claiming this sort of thing, may well have a rough background, but everyone is a sinner in need of God's grace. And Deuteronomy 22.5 makes very clear that in the Old Covenant law, it is, a, it is a profound violation of God's design and God's will for cross-dressing to occur, for a, a man to wear woman's clothing and woman to wear man's clothing. And so, bringing that principle uh, into the modern day, recognizing that it syncs with 1 Corinthians 11, the teaching of the Apostle Paul about the distinctiveness of the sexes there, we need to offer gospel witness to those who are, who are trapped in this ideology, who are promoting it, 
and who are in eternal danger because of it. Third, know that the Christian church increasingly stands alone on these matters. There are a few public square uh, partners, neighbors who will speak up against this ideology, this gender ideology, this neo-pagan thinking, as I make very plain in my book, Reenchanting Humanity, but there are not many. So it is a time for us to stand and offer witness. And if we must stand alone, know that God is standing beside you. Part of what the book of Daniel teaches you, and how badly do we need the book of Daniel to ring out from our pulpits in days like this, is that when you take a stand for the truth of God, though you are put in the worst possible circumstances, though you are punished in the most humiliating way, though the fire is, is heated to its, its highest possible peak in order to incinerate you, though the lions are sicked upon you in order to tear your flesh asunder, when you enter the arena of your human condemnation, you are never alone. When you take a stand for God, God is beside you. The Lord Jesus Christ is with you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you always have union with Christ. You are always in Christ, and Christ is always in you. And so you are never alone when you stand up to tell the truth, speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Fourth, know that a crucial part of our witness is standing for the truth. A lot of times we focus on the need to love. Let's just remember that loving neighbor involves telling the truth. And that is a massive part of how people are one to the Christian faith, through the telling of the truth. Yes, our deeds matter. Yes, we want to be as gracious as we can to unbelievers. But it is also the Christian church being moral, being theological, being convictional, that draws unbelievers to see that they are living under lies. They're not only under a regime of lies, they're enthusiastically participating in the regime of lies. They follow their father, the devil, much more than any earthly government or earthly ruler. They have, they have a, a spiritual anti-father, Satan, who they follow. And part of what jars many people from that tragic and awful condition is for Christians to tell the truth and to show that the world is not run by lies, though it may look that way and feel that way, but actually God's truth is stronger still. So Christian, tell the truth. Stand for the truth. And know that though many may mock you and oppose you for it, and even many Christians may not join you in it, may shrink back and and, and, and try not to be associated with you because you're one of those Christians, in air quotes, who is marking themselves out as, as, uh, as anathema in this day and age, know that there will be some who, who pay attention, and there will be some, as the Spirit works, who are drawn to the Christian faith by a stand for truth. It is very clear through the book of Acts, the apostolic stand for truth has a major evangelistic effect over time albeit not one that we can measure and guarantee in any given moment. Fifth and finally here today, pray. Pray for God to intervene in America, in the West, beyond. 
Pray for God to make disciples, as I was just talking about, through the witness of the Christian worldview and the preaching and proclaiming of the Christian gospel. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Pray for God to strengthen his church in these days. Pray for there to be more men who would speak up in defense of women in these kind of situations. Let it not, let it not only be women who speak to these matters. Let it be men of God, elders of the local church, leaders in the local church, men who lead families, men who love one wife, who speak up in their communities and lead in being salt and light, and pray for God to intervene and work. Pray for God to use all this chaos somehow for good. Be encouraged and strengthened by the example of Daniel, as I mentioned a minute ago, who was put in earthly terms in the worst possible circumstances, and yet it was there that God was working. God was working for the deliverance of Daniel and his friends, of course, as well, but for many others. And you and I, in some sense, are are affected directly by the example and courage of Daniel. Daniel doesn't know our name. Daniel doesn't know who you are. Daniel doesn't listen to this podcast, but Daniel is being talked about thousands of years later because he took a stand for God, because he dared not to care more about what men think of him than what God thinks of him. You should be humble. You should be open to reason. You should be a gracious Christian. But in standing for the truth, where the word of God is clear and the world rejects that clear truth, you should take no stock of your popularity. You should give no thought to your brand. You should not think for a solitary second about your image. Where the world is calling you to live under a regime of lies and where image bearers will surely be harmed and wronged and ruined by those lies, you should stand against it. You should pray against it. You should act against it. President Biden can issue his executive orders. I'm sure he'll issue more. I'm guessing, uh, unless God acts in a mysterious and miraculous way, that we'll see more developments along these lines. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to be a people who, who do all we can to protect girls and women. And we need to tell the truth no matter what the consequences may be. We need, in Danielic terms, to walk into a furnace or a den of lions, remembering that God is with us. He will never abandon us, and no matter what man may say about us or do to us, we are headed to glory. And even something so awful as a painful death has only become the gateway to everlasting glory in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. 
Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.